Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and who showcase planetary leadership and qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a life that works for everyone equally, where people can thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And in today's episode, my guest is Mariska Nell. Mariska is the host and creator of Mama Earth Talk podcast. It was started in 2018 when she you know, realized that there are so many things one can do to reduce our impact on the environment. And so this quickly grew into a forum that showcases amazing things and many people doing they're doing to make the planet a better place. Following the five hours of reduce, reuse, recycle, refuse, and rot, or, you know, waste. And so with these words, welcome Mariska. I'm excited for a conversation and Mama Earth talk. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to, to talk to you today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I love the name of your show. I think it is important <laughs> to have a, um, you know, a Mama Earth, a voice for Mama Earth in many ways. Let's start, let's start right there. I, I said a little bit about, you know, you just got inspired to get started um, just through what you've learned and what you encountered. There is a, a cool story about you floating around on the internet about collecting Nespresso capsules and uh, building a lamp out of it because you didn't want to waste them and throw them out. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so that's actually how my sustainable journey started. Um, you know, I was just like standing in front of this coffee machine and admiring these beautiful, beautiful, colorful, um, like capsules. And I'm also wearing some earrings made from the Nespresso. And, um, and I just felt like I just couldn't throw it away. Like it was just in that moment where I decided, you know what, there has to be more to these capsules than just throwing it away or sending it to a recycling facility. So I started saving them and I didn't know what I was going to make with it. But um, I started to, to do more research in like, you know, why this product and how do you recycle it properly? What happens to it afterwards? And I got really curious, um, you know, about all the information that was out there. And so I saved about 913 capsules and I turned them wow. into flowers. <laughs> it is. That's why it's called or titled the coffee addiction lamp, because you clearly need to have coffee addiction to get that many. But it wasn't all my coffee. I started asking friends and family. And at that time, the company I worked with was also using these capsules. So I just kept on saving theirs as well. Um, so yeah, that, that brought me to my first lamp that I created. And then um, I also started incorporating it into my art pieces as well. So, um, you know, to make flowers and like some of the ladies hair and, um, and then, yeah, kind of, as they would say, the rest was history. I started incorporating more waste materials in my art pieces as well. And, um, and like after each piece, I kind of wanted to incorporate more kind of trash and turn it into treasure. And um, then I started learning more about the other mediums. So like plastic water bottles, plastic bags. And before I knew it, I kind of, you know, just grew into this 
women fighting for the planet and teaching everyone about why they should not use single-use items. Trash into treasure. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, so, so you're an artist also creating artwork in, in general and now on commissioner, right? For, for in, in that kind of uh, eco-movement around trash. Yeah, um, I mean, I've always been into creating art. Um, I actually come from an interior design background. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, I quit my day job and I decided to, you know, focus more on my art and to do um, stuff that I really love and passionate about. And um, yeah, so then it kind of grew. I do, I work on a lot of commission pieces. Um, but every every single art piece that I want to create, I wanted to have a strong message. So um, last year for um, for a project, I worked with sixty thousand single use plastic straws that I create a massive globe that was about two by two by two meters, um, wow. and that was exhibited at um, Dubai Airport, and it was part of like Costa's project to educate their clients about the use of single use and also to phase out their existing straws to a more environmentally friendly option and obviously they had all of the stock that they had to either use dispose of or recycle so then we just used it to upcycle and to spread awareness and to spread a message so through all of my pieces, that is something that I really want to, to do, you know, to not just create an art piece because it looks nice, but also to have a really strong message and, you know, have people look at it and think like, oh, wow, this is nice. And then when they come closer, they're like, hang on, this is actually straws. And, you know, then there's a message and there's something that they can take with them from from that art piece so it's not just something to look at that's nice but also something that will kind of touch people as well so that's that's kind of the strategy that i go behind in planning mm. and designing all of these pieces as well beautiful i like that i mean i was just on your podcast mama earth talk and i i think i said it in your show that like my, um, you know, fundamental belief is that, you know, we're on this planet not to leave no footprint, but to leave a graceful footprint. And I'm really excited to dive in deeper um, because you've really gone into that kind of zero waste philosophy, which I think is a really amazing direction. I don't know if it's really the direction for all of Earth since we've already gone that far. I think it's really about converting our footprint into a quote unquote quotation marks here graceful footprint but Mariska let me ask you like what's your opinion and also your feeling your emotions around trash and the big picture of trash we've created I mean you personally I get it you've already like made it into art but what's your like what do you feel what's the thought process behind there what's what's brewing in your mind you know around all that well, that's a, a interesting question. Um, well, for me, like I, I've always been someone that when I look at something, I, um, I don't just see it as what it is. So like when you look at trash, you know, someone might look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is trash. But 
I've always kind of looked at it since I was a young age at like resources as well. So it's not just a waste. It's actually a resource that is misplaced. And um, so for me, when I see trash, I kind of, it's so weird to explain. It's like the sheet going up and it's like, okay, can, it needs to go here. Like this needs to go here. I kind of group when I, when I see stuff. Um, but when, I mean, when a lot of people look at trash, they just see something dirty, something nasty, something that you throw in a bin. And I'm using air quotes now that it goes away, but it never really goes away. Boom. And I mean, we've, de- yeah. we've kind of developed this, um, this like system. Um, like now we, we live in such a linear economy system. So we take all of this resources, we make stuff and we either use it or we don't even use it. And then it just goes directly to a bin. Um, and that for me is something that I wish that we can change to go back to more like a circular economy. I mean, if I look back at, you know, the way that my grandparents lived and their parents, you know, you just did not throw stuff away. You used it and used it and used it because all of these resources is actually valuable. And, um, and I think when, when we compare something that, you know, we buy, I don't know, maybe like a t-shirt, if you compare that value to a disposable coffee cup, because you've kind of paid for it the same price, you value them the same. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how, how I interpret it. And I definitely hope that more people will realize that, you know, there isn't magic fairies at night that come and throw our trash away. It actually goes somewhere and that we need to start taking responsibility for that waste. And, you know, we've got more and more landfills that's filling up. And, you know, in 50 years from now, if we continue the way that we live, where are we going to put all this trash? If we just keep up with this linear economy, we're going to run out of space. And you can see that in a lot of islands already that, you know, it's just filling up. They don't have space to put their trash. So, um, so yeah, I definitely hope that we all see waste different and see it as a resource and rethink about purchasing stuff. You know, just don't go out on this shopping frenzy, you know, before you buy something, think about the end of life, you know, where, where will you put it? Is it just going to go in a bin? And where's that going to go? Yeah, I like where you're going with that. I think it's, it's a, like, this is really, you know, the crux of the matter, you know, the, this idea that it, something goes away, but we live on this pale blue dot together. And I recently had uh, the pleasure and the honor to interview well, for me, my first astronaut uh, on the show. And it was so fascinating to hear the outer space perspective and then also the perspective of like how Ron Garen, uh, is his name, how Ron landed back on the earth. And I think they landed in a capsule in Kazakhstan and he's American, but he said his, his face was next to a blade of grass and some dirt and all he could feel was home, right? Um, didn't matter if it's the US or Kazakhstan, it was just the planet <laughs> was home. And so from that outer space perspective, from this overview perspective, we truly 
there is no away. We're truly so connected. And so everything has to go somewhere. Now, let's unpack this a little bit more because I think it's really interesting for you and I to meet here. You know, we're both podcasting. We're both making sure that these messages get spread wider. I want to know more about you as well. But, but first, let's dive into that topic a bit more because it is something that I, I, I believe it's, it's really hard to have figured out fully for anyone. You've interviewed mm-hmm. over 100 people now. Um, you know, I'm on my journey as well. Um, what do you think are the approaches? So one is obviously the bottom up. You just said it's stop going on shopping frenzies, um, mm. upcycle things. But what's the other way around? Like, how do we actually create pressure onto our economy to change in your current point of view? Well, I think there's kind of two aspects from that. You know, you can go directly to corporations and have them change it. And then, you know, we as individuals don't really have to change because the hard work is done by the corporations. So, um, but they're, they're a little bit more difficult to change, like the corporations and obviously governments as well. But, um, you know, the, the second one is to get individuals to demand more change um, and also to educate people in a way that I feel is not so judgmental because you know if you are going all the time and you're like hey I live a zero waste movement and you using a plastic straw and you killing the planet you know people's gonna look at you like I will use this plastic straw and I don't care about if that's ruining the planet. So you're going to have the opposite effect than what you really want. So I think um, it's really important to actually lead by example. You know, if you say something that you live this way and then people can actually see, wow, that's not that hard. You know, now I'm using a reusable bag or, you know, so, so then small individual changes happens And, you know, and then just for these people to also contact, like, you know, if their favorite laundry powder is coming in a really unsustainable packaging, maybe if they contact their supplier and say, hey, you know what, your packaging isn't great. Can you maybe look at switching or, you know, um, trying to sell it rather in bigger quantities or something just to make a bit of an impact? Mm. And if enough of their customers is actually doing that, they will listen because, you know, their clients are demanding it. So that's kind of a way how, you know, you can change that, but also, you know, asking for changes, like, you know, send a letter to your, um, your state department or wherever, you know, your waste departments and, you know, have, start that conversations because it might not mean that people are going to make that change then and there, like right after your conversation, but it's going to definitely plant a little seed. And if enough people demand it, changes are likely to happen. So, so yeah, so I would say kind of approach it on, on those levels. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for diving with me a bit deeper into that conversation and sharing, you know, what, what you've come to discover so far. Um, I'd love to know a bit more about your journey and, you know, how you've gone through um, adversity or whatever you had to face to, to claim that kind of a life as an artist, as a podcaster, um, your own form of freedom. Um, how, did, how, is that, how does it look for you? And, and like, what did you have to go through to realize that that's, that's who you are and that's what you are dedicated to? Yeah, well, it's definitely been a journey. And it's been a journey that I started in 2016. 
So it's also something that I don't expect anyone else to do overnight because I didn't get there overnight as well. I took it one step at a time. And um, so I got very passionate about obviously the sustainability through my artwork and learning more about it. But it was really in 2018 when I was crazy enough to actually wear all of my trash for 30 days. Um, I just wow. wanted to, <laughs> so I just wanted to show people, you know, if there was really no way and each of us have to wear every single piece of trash that you make, what would that look like? Because literally you sending all of that stuff to landfill every single month. And um, so what I did, and I didn't wear um, dirty trash. I washed everything at night and I had like a massive dress made and a little trolley. And every day I just added, added, added. If there was food waste, I would weigh it out and then replace that with just uncooked rice so that I don't have, you know, <laughs> Um, food waste carrying with me. It might have been a bit smelly after a few days. Oh, yeah. um, and so I, I just remember it so well. I went to Comic-Con and I actually felt like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm fitting in, you know, I'm the trash lady. This is like my super alter ego. And it was just amazing to see how many people would look at me and like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? And the moment I start telling them, listen, that I'm wearing my trash for 30 days um, to see what it looked like. You know, people would look at my dress and be like, oh, I, I use this exact brand or I use this. Like, how do I change this? Or is there an alternative to this? And when I did this challenge, I literally lived as the average global citizen. So I would also ask people like, hey, what are you having for lunch? And I would order that for lunch. So it wasn't my normal lifestyle. It was actually so terrifying for me to make all of this waste because it wasn't what I was used to anymore. Um, but after 30 days, I had about 65 kilos of trash that I was just like piling around. Wow. And, um, and that, lot. it was so much. And I was like, you know, can you imagine if you're two people or four people living in a house and you've got this amount of trash that you're sending to the landfill or, you know, some might get recycled, but um, not a lot. So that was just shocking for me. And that, that got a lot of questions. And that was actually one of the reasons why I started with the podcast, because I wanted to respond to so many of those questions. And I had so many questions that I wanted to speak to experts in the field as well to try and find answers just so that we can make more sustainable choices. So that was kind of the big one that then totally after that, um, I just decided to go full on. And there were still a few single use items that I was using in my life. But then I just, you know, went and did as much zero waste as possible. So that was kind of a big stepping stone in my journey. And it was just so um, kind of a, a very like big step, but um, something that a lot of people learned from and I learned from as well. And it was just amazing to see how people saw my waste in a, in 
in kind of a way that it's their waste as well. And how this weight I was carrying on my shoulders, um, that kind of represents the planet and, you know, how the planet needs to survive with how many billion people that is just giving its trash every single day. And, you know, at some point we're going to face a lot of bigger issues because of that. So yeah, that was kind of a big one for me. That's a great story. I appreciate (laughs) you sharing that. And, you know, I'm glad we're diving deeper into the topic of trash. It's been, I mean, it is front front of mind like all the time really for me it really depends where I am how much trash I produce when I lived in the United States for a little bit there I got the feeling like I've never in my life produced more trash everything that you buy or purchase is wrapped in what feels like four layers of plastic but then for example when I'm you know now that I'm back in Canada in the Pacific Northwest here and I'm at, let's say you know at my my friend's farm and i'm living on a farm for a few days or so it's like i don't produce any trash mm. for like two three days in a row and then maybe a bag of rice that is you know packed in some way and so it really depends on where you live what you in my case what i desire and what i what i think is you know kind of part of that lifestyle and so yeah i, I guess I guess where I'm trying to get with this is I want to hear like a sentence or more about um, you mentioned it. It's a pretty heavy topic, both physically for us, if we carry it as well as for the planet, because we're literally suffocating on our own trash. How do you foresee to, to make this a lighter topic, metaphorically speaking, a topic that we can come to terms with something where we're like, let's look at this. And let's not, you know, shame and judge. You already mentioned mm. that, right? But, but let's, let's move through the discomfort. How can we face this discomfort and pop out on the other end and be optimistic? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Because, I mean, even for me, when I started, you know, doing research, and it's like you kind of just found out that we are killing the planet, that, you know, we need to act now. And you directly go into that mode of, you know, you need to be preachy because we need to get everyone on board. But yeah, it's, it's, you need to do exactly the opposite kind of, and that I learned the hard way. Um, yeah, I would just say, you know, it's such, it's such a sensitive thing because, you know, each person is their own individual and each person, you know, needs to make their own choices and we can't do stuff for them. And that's why it, again, it is so important to have like governments and organizations on board because when they ban plastic bags, it's banned. You can't get it at the store. So it's things like that. But, um, but on a lighter note, how we can get people and the communities that's involved is, you know, um, make it fun and, Make it easy because if it's easy for you to go to a bulk store to buy your groceries, it might be cheaper because you don't pay for that packaging every single time. People will be more incentivized to actually make better choices. Um, so I, I definitely think you know there's there's a fine line between that, but definitely if we can make it easier and if we can make it um, you know educate kind of educate the people on also 
why they are doing this. Because for a lot of people, if you need to go to a bulk store and you need to fill your jars, um, you know, it might be more time consuming versus, you know, just grabbing a pack off the shelf. So, you know, it's all of this education that needs to happen on the side. Um, but I definitely think that there's totally. potential in doing it. Um, yeah. So, so that's, I would just say, you know, with, with slowly, slowly moving this process and just making mainstream stores have more access to this bulk stores and not make, because a lot of people would think living zero waste is more expensive or, you know, it's more like of a niche type of thing. Mm. So I think we need to change that perspective and, you know, make zero waste living more of a mainstream thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I agree. And I see a challenge there. I think zero waste living that like all we do is produce um, like one jar of garbage in a year. You know, this is like a famous story that is going around. I think it's, it's very honorable and I'm glad that some people pioneered that. My personal opinion is it doesn't really help us if we have a thousand people live zero waste perfectly. We need a billion people live in a cyclical relationship with earth, what we produce and how we uh, like get rid of it again, mm. in a way that doesn't exist, but upcycling yeah. to the next step of the cycle. Um, and, and those billion people, they, do that part perfectly right and then ultimately all seven billion people so it's just very yeah. it's just very exciting what you're saying in the sense that there's a lot of work to do and it's gonna yeah, be definitely. uncomfortable to face it and yeah. it needs people to step up and step into purpose and so that's my next question for you like in your own words uh, mariska what is purpose and what does it take to embody it Ooh, that's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, purpose. Well, I think each person kind of define that different. And for me, I think that kind of with mine, it's, um, it's to, to kind of leave as little, um, little footprints behind as possible and to really have an impact. So, you know, um, not to, yeah, I, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I think, you know, with purpose, yeah, I, I would just say that, yeah, kind of that, that, that is, is my purpose. Um, and it's something that now, I mean, if you look at Mariska about 10 years ago, it was all about shopping and buying the best and buying this and, you know, spending spending a lot of money and really not considering about what we throw away. But, um, but now, you know, fast forward and it's, it's really become what I am. And it's something that I'm excited to do every single day is to, you know, do what I have and as, and have as little impact as possible on, on our planet, on like mama earth. Mm. Thank you for that answer. And I can just keep going with a few more questions here for you. If you, Mariska, could single-handedly or with a group of experts change the education system the way we know it, what would you do? 
I would definitely add more um, more classes and more. Well, first of all, to have like empathy as well, because I think that is something that a lot of people or a lot of schools don't teach, and um, and also you know to to really appreciate nature because once you do that and also have empathy you know it becomes easier to make better choices not just for yourself but um you know choices that's going to impact future you know future generations as well uh, so i would definitely include that in in the educational systems and also to teach you know we we've got all of this history classes and we've got you know maths and we've got so many different subjects but you know to maybe include something about sustainability and the environment so that you know the younger generation can actually know why choices need to be made and you know especially with climate change that they can from a young age realize what is the issues that our planet is facing and you know to also realize that you know the planet's going to be okay it's going to adapt with time but it's us as a human race that might not survive what we are doing to the planet uh, so i think that is so important that um that they can be taught that at a school level as well powerful i like that answer i totally agree uh there's a lot for us to to do and to evolve over and to pass on in, in these ways um, on another note, if you, you know, were to name three places in the world on Mama Earth that you love, that you've visited, that you've lived, places that inspire you, where friends of yours live, just three of them. I know that's hard. Which three places would that oh, be? Oh, wow. Geez, I, um, I visited so many countries and, um, and obviously I'm from South Africa, so... <laughs> that will definitely be one it's always been home um you know family and everything's there um yeah and then the second one where i'm living now obviously australia there's so many hidden like treasures and everything here and you know just to go on nature hikes and stuff is quite phenomenal oh and then the third one has to be geez there's so so many oh my gosh I can't, I can't even think of just one. Think um, of a good story, but... <laughs> like a good story that you've experienced somewhere that you want to share with us right now. So a place that, um, that I used to visit quite a lot as a child was Mozambique. And I have so many fond memories of, you know, we used to go camping and every, everything that we took with us to the camp, that's basically what you had. You know, we had to get our own water, and we were like in such a secluded little beach area. It was only us. And um, so one, one of the best experience kind of nature-wise that I had there was um, we were privileged enough to actually see how some of the sea turtles came in and lay eggs on the beach. And it was wow. just phenomenal. And there was um, a lady there that was doing her master's on sea turtles. So when she saw us walking on the beach, she was like, oh, please, can you help me? Like the sea turtle. So we had to like literally count all the eggs and like see how it was falling down. And it was just such an, an inspiring thing to actually see how 
you know, nature works and how that evolved. So I would say that's probably the one, yeah, the, the third one, a place that I absolutely love and close to my I heart. So and hopefully we can that. return. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you shared that story. Well, what a, a phenomenal, um, you know, happening to, to be happening upon. I have another yeah. two questions for you. And mm. this one, this one is, I think this is very important to ask in these times, you know, where um, in a time where we can say where it's unprecedented, things are changing, maybe even faster than ever before in our society, through technology, through our responsibility with nature. And yet people like you and people like me choose optimism and choose not to put their hands in the sand or hands, the heads in the sand or um, hands in the sand, please. <laughs> hand, <laughs> hand stands with hands in the sand for sure, but, but not the head in the sand metaphorically, but optimistic outlook. And so how do you choose optimism? What's happening in your life? Like, how do you do that? Well, I have to say some days, um, it's harder than others, especially now with COVID, because, you know, I, I was so used to have on a daily basis that you interact with other people and you've got groups of people you're meeting. And now that's kind of switched to online and that has had an effect on me personally. Um, but one of the things that I really love to do is every, um, either in the evenings or in the mornings, I would like to go back to how my day was and pick three things that I was thankful for, for that day. And um, in the beginning, it was hard because I was like, oh, how am I thankful for this and that? But now it's kind of given me a reason to make more stuff that I'm thankful for every single day because I know I need to have three things that I'm thankful for. So it's really given me um, opportunities to be thankful, to also be happy and to make better, better things to look back at as well. And, you know, to wake up in the mornings and know that you've got full on, you know, like you've got this 24 hours to, to do with what you would like to as well. And you can do what, whatever it is that, that makes you happy. So that for me in itself is every day, you know, something great to be thankful for as well. So I would highly recommend all of your audience to just, even if it's just one thing, you know, look at one thing in your day that you're thankful for um, and see how that goes. And hopefully it can influence what you do during the day. Yeah, that's a beautiful and powerful answer. Gratitude is definitely the attitude that wins the game. You know, it's, it's a very, very powerful tool and it's a very simple tool. Thank you for that, Mariska. My last question today is aimed towards your dream and like the, the dream of your, of your soul, that, that, that which is like really deeply slumbering inside of you. You know, you have a beautiful podcast called Mama Earth Talk. And so I know you're thinking in relationship with Mama Earth um, already. Um, so the question is this, What's the earth vision that you hold in your being? If we zoom out on the timeline and we allow ourselves to think and feel in seven generations, not just backward, but also forward. So in other words, us as ancestors for the future, 
what kind of earth vision or dream do you have for our planet and for our species? Wow, geez, that's a lot of generations. I, I honestly just hope that with each generation after the one, um, that we have less and less impact on the environment, that we, we start, you know, working together with nature instead of opposing, you know, and, um, and that we respect whatever resources we have you know, to, to not just try and, um, you know, take stuff from the earth for financial gains, but that we, we look at that, you know, we look at what impact it has on the people, what impact it has on the environment, and that, you know, the last, the third thing that we look at it, you know, is from a financial aspect that, you know, we don't put the finance ahead of everything else, above everything else. Um, so I just wish that, that that is a future generation that we can look, look forward to and be proud of, you know, if, um, if, if the time comes that we know that, um, you know, the, the generations that we're going to have is going to have so, such a little impact on the environment. So that's kind of what I hope. And I, you know, especially now with so many new things that's being developed and, you know, that, that we also use renewable energy versus, you know, the stuff that we've been using for many, many years that we know has such a bad impact on the environment. Thank you for that answer. I'm going to let that sink in for us to harmonize with nature, this generation and the generations forward. Mariska, thank you so much for your time. I'll make sure in the show notes to link out your podcast, link out your socials. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything you'd like to um, point at um, at this point in our episode? Oh, no, I just, um, I just wish that all of your listeners have a fantastic day and that, you know, they, they can kind of look at, at themselves and just think about changing one habit at a time and not to think, that they need to feel overwhelmed with everything that's happening and all of the information about stuff that's going wrong, but rather focus on one thing and take it one day at a time and, um, and enjoy life. Don't, don't be too serious and don't think, you know, what you do does not have an impact because it definitely does. And, you know, it's like you said, if, if a million people just do one small thing, it's got an impact and you know we've got the power to spread that ripple effect beautiful thank you so much mariska thank you hello i'm chris gilmore from episode 224 learning from emergency planning I'm here to offer Green Planet, Blue Planet listeners a special opportunity to get 20% off two of my in-depth learning experiences. Opportunity number one is reading nature's forgotten language. Go deeper than you may even realize is possible in your relationship with the natural world and your ability to interpret nature's signs, tracks, and sounds. Nature has a language, and reading it is an ancient skill that is almost lost in our modern world. Relearning to read nature's story can help you be a better earth steward, learn to learn directly from nature, and it can greatly enhance your relationship with and the experiences you have in the outdoors. Watch the trailer and some of the sample lessons over at www.naturesforgottenlanguage.com 
and enter code GREENPLANET for 20% off. Opportunity number two is called Survive the Storms. In an era of rapid environmental, economic, and social change, do you want to feel better prepared to keep yourself and family safe? Whether a pandemic, extreme weather event, wildfire, or other unexpected disaster, Survive the Storms will help you build peace of mind and confidence fast. Check out the trailer of our one-of-a-kind game-like training that makes preparedness and safety both fun and practical. This one is very timely. Visit survivethestorms.com and don't forget to enter code GREENPLANET for 20% off. Both links are also available in the show notes. So stay connected, stay aware, stay safe with naturesforgottenlanguage.com and survivethestorms.com.